Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Words with Dragons podcast. Today, we're going to be doing another episode commentary. I was looking over all the ones that I've done, which are enclosed like below if you want to scroll. Um, and I just thought it'd be really fun. And I, I mostly did almost all of season three. So maybe I'll do like a season three like discussion just because so many of those episodes are already done. But I was thinking that I would just start kind of like going through the episodes in order, getting the ones that I haven't because I haven't done almost any of season one and most of season two is also up for grabs, including like some of my favorite episodes in the series, which I think will be really fun. And that way you guys can hopefully like kind of just watch along, you know, if you're rewatching the show, I've been rewatching it with a couple of friends recently and had a blast. So this is also partially my desire of like, I just really want to rewatch the show from start to finish now. Um, so going along with that, and I'm also hoping to do a few of these episodes today just so that I can start like posting again more regularly because we all need content. We're one month 15, 16, soon to be 16 of hiatus. It's been a hot minute, so I thought this would be a good way. Um, and so today we're starting with the very, very first episode, which is always such a nostalgia trip for me. And I, for a second, I was like, have I done this one? I feel like I have. And I think it's because I talk about the first episode a lot in comparison to the rest of the series. And also because this is one of the episodes I did. It's sort of like episode analysis over on Rail of the Two Ways on Tumblr, which you can always submit questions to if you would like. Um, and so, yeah, but today we're going to be diving right back in to the very beginning, which is wild. Um, and as always, we're going to be doing the whole, like, there's no previously on, but we're going to be doing all the logos. We're going to be doing on the count of three. So I guess without further ado, um, one, two, three, press play. And there's bait. Oh, season one is like a whole other time, honestly. Like September 2018. We had no idea, and I love how much this got recontextualized in uh, 301, but just this is such a good introduction to the show. The animation, like, I remember watching this for the first time, and it immediately grabbed me, and now the fact that we know this narrator is Erebos is going to be such an interesting recontextualization later, and even, like, Sol Regum being portrayed, you know, as beautiful and majestic, and he is, but he's also a dick, so I feel like this introduction is so interesting as well as just having like some really cool beautiful shots that I just adore so I'm really I'm moving my mic a little I don't know if that's gonna get picked up on and I want to see I wonder if we'll go back to this kind of like earth sort of like cavern place that's implied because we haven't seen that so far in Zadia and I wonder if that's where a lot of the um earth blood elves are because I'm fully expecting season like season four is called earth We'll have to get to know some Earthblood elves, at least politically. And there's Zyard with Viren's staff, um, which is super interesting. Oh, interesting that he's wearing like a really kind of sort of chain clasp for his coat. And I do wonder, or not coat, like cape? It's cape, it's not a cloak, it's a cape. And I do wonder if like this dark mage is portrayed more sympathetically than I feel like someone who Viren is. And even then Viren has a lot of sympathy given to him particularly in early season one which will be super interesting but i wonder if his zyard's like physical similarities to how claudia looks at the end is like this is kind of how the more like quote unquote sympathetic dark mages are going to look 
and versus like someone more like Viren who has the corruption that's entirely hidden, which I think is really interesting. All the designs are so good. This is such a good introduction. And just, I have a lot of feelings about the like meta implications of Erevos unfurling the map. And I love this, like, I just love the way it goes into the breach with thunder. And like, I know I've talked about it before, but the way the map burns reminds me of how Erevos burned Kessa when she dies. So I'm just. I just want to know, what is this battle with Thunder? Like, is this something that Erebos constructed? Like, what is it? Because clearly, like, I always was like, oh, this was one, and I've talked about this so many times on the podcast, but, like, I always thought, like, oh, this must have been when, um, like, Ere- like Thunder was slain, but it's clearly not because we see that later. So, like, what is this battle? Because I feel like this can't just be a random thing thrown in particularly with this show like maybe this is part of what led to Eros getting imprisoned like 300-ish years ago I don't know I just I don't know the egg well clearly some of this is a construct because the egg didn't actually fall like this like it's just for the drama so so nice to have the title drop early Amaya at the breach is such a nice nod that's fun that's fun I really feel like I've done this episode commentary before, but you know what? We can do it twice if that's the case, and I'm just forgetting something. And watch me have like recorded it, and then I never uploaded it, so it's like somewhere far back. Echoes of Thunder is such a good name for this episode. I love that it starts in the rain. I love the setup. I I, do, I love how symbolic a lot of the episode names and dragon prints are. And it's so cute how they have, like, all the credits for, like, these kids. Like, it feels like it's, like, yeah, these are the kids. Like, this is going to be such a big story. And I love Ezrin and Bait, even if it's gross. Um, and, yeah, it's crazy because, like, I was, th- I was thinking about Ezrin earlier today. And I was thinking about how he's not really usually characterized in, in Fic as, like, a sort of, like, troublemaker. And that being kind of similar to he has with Aang. And I love that this is the glimpse we get of Ezra and his ordinary life in the castle. So I like to think that that troublemaker side of him would come back even as king a little bit. Because, you know, he's a, he's a little boy. He's got to have some mischief. And I love the immediate um, introduction of concepts of, like, fear and Callum being a really good big brother and, like, bait as well and the color changing. I also love fight scenes in the rain. I know I've talked about that before. So the fact that I was like, are we going to get, like, we're, what? We're, like, five minutes in, we're already in a fight scene in the rain. I was like, why are you made for me? Like, as a TV show, this is so specific. And there's just so many cool shots in this episode, like the lightning flash revealing the elves. It's so spooky and it's so good. And I love Marcos. And it's just... And I also like how we meet the boys and we get like the hint of their like relationship, which is what matters like the most in some ways for them. But for real, like we do see her on her own and we do immediately get her conflict because her first scene is in her eyes like failing. And like, I think by all accounts, like she does fail in what she set out to do and what the mission was supposed to be. And it's a really, you know, we're immediately getting dropped into a conflict. And I think that kind of helps because we're naturally sympathetic towards humans because we are humans. And that question, like, who are you, is, like, so much Rayla's identity arc. Like, even more so, I feel like, than Callum in some ways. She has an identity arc. And 
eventually, I swear, I'll finish my real and plus identity meta because I think how they impact each other in that way is like so important to both of them. And oh, and then they do the panning shot up, and it's so good, and it's perfectly mirrored at the end of three hundred one, and just mmm, yes. Having a sip. Oh, and Viren in front of the mirror and his staff. Again, such a nice shot because it's like the first time you're like, I don't really, you know, you're is he self-centered? He is. But again, it's one of those things where it's like once we fully know what this mirror is exactly, even in season two and like everything with Erebos, like there's so many things already perfectly set up even like way before they become super relevant. So I'm like, I can only imagine like, the season three finale feels crazy with how much everything's changed. That sounds like Jack doing the um, guard voice work. But I can only imagine how much more it's going to be for the actual like full finale of the show. Of there's all these things from the first episode coming back. I miss King Harrow. Fuck, I didn't think this through. I'm so sad. They're also gay. I'm like, I shipped Vero, man. I still kind of do. Mostly in a, like, they dated in their, like, early 20s and Viren, like, never fully got over it kind of way. Because they have the vibes, you know? Everyone saw it. How many human assassins are happening? Because Hero acts like it's perfectly normal. And Anya implies that it is, too. And I guess that would make sense. Like, there'd be more people willing to do the political upheaval within the Pentarchy itself than necessarily Zadia getting involved in human um, human politics. But it's still telling that, like, I don't know. It's interesting. Also, assassinated by moon shadow elves is such a badass-sounding way to die. Like, imagine. I just love all the names. Like, we get Amaya. Standing Battalion's cool. I'm not super familiar with some military terms. So if that's, if standing is, like, a typical thing for active troops and it's not just a cool name thing, I don't know. The sunset shots are so pretty. I'm just really rambling. And I do love, though, how Harrow takes this perspective of we're not going to defend, we are attack in terms of how to protect himself. It's not necessarily the wrong thing to do. It's a perfectly understandable instinct. But I do like how it then colors Viren's perspective because that's initially what he does, but just like humans have to attack first, right? Rather than necessarily just be on the defense. And I feel like that's such an interesting sort of microism of like, again, you understand that perspective, but we see later the sort of harm that it can do. And I'm thinking a lot about Rayla and Claudia's parallels in regards to, like, lying and the lengths Rayla goes to as well to cover up her lies like this with Renan. And it's definitely a betrayal. And I feel like in some ways it's hard to fully understand just how much of a betrayal it is because we're naturally on her side. But he had every right to be just as pissed as he was, if not more so. Because, like, she puts in the effort to cover this up and it's and again i totally understand why she does so i feel like again like the show does such a great job at creating these more nuanced complex situations where you kind of root for it's not that even that you don't know who to root for is that you kind of root for everyone and the moon shadow elves are so pretty and i love the town and i love i'm so glad the baker came back in season three i wasn't 
I don't know if I was expecting him to. I think I was hoping for him to come back later, and then he did. And all the callbacks here were, like, super wholesome. And just, I love Ezrin. I love Ezrin so much. And we all know this. I also am just, like, imagining, like, how long has this rivalry been going on? Like, how long has the Baker been semi-tempted to throw hands with, like, this 10-year-old, you know? Like, has it been three years? Has it been five years? Like, at what point do you let the kid kind of get away with things? And at what point do you start to be like, I don't know? And, like, oh, Ezran. I also love Bait. Like, this is such a good introduction. And it's just, I don't know, this episode's so interesting to me because it's the only real glimpse we get at their completely ordinary lives. And I think it's so telling for all of them that, like, Ezrin's young enough that he doesn't have to have, like, this sort of Prince King training. But Calum's old enough that he does. Even though, of course, like, the King stuff is going to be way more relevant to Ezrin other than the other way around. Oh, I love Callum. I love him. I'm gonna be. Su- I will say for rewatching season one, I'm not. I'm not gonna um, go easy on Soren because I remember watching this and being like, you know, some people were like, oh, Soren's kind of nice though, but it's just like everything he can do in this scene to make Callum feel bad, he just does it. Like he drops the sword on purpose so the kid has to pick it up and like. This would be so humiliating to have people watching. And, like, Soren's not really trying to teach him. He's just, I don't know. There's just something about it where I'm like, it's unnecessary. And Cal's already going through a rough time. And, like, ah, uh, Sunforge armor mention. I want to see it. I'm, like, assuming that that's what Janai wears. But I'm very excited to see that, like, extensively later. Step Prince pisses me off. That's one thing where I'm, like, Soren... Oh, Claudia. The cr- I always forget. I'm o- I always forget that he has this crush on Claudia in the beginning because it felt so irrelevant as soon as he left the castle to me in some ways because obviously like I'm shipping Raylum and I kind of figured that he and Claudia would be ideologically opposed because as, as we'll talk about as we get further in, I always kind of felt like there was something disturbing about Claudia uh, just as a person, just in her mindset, although I love her. I love the, the, the disturbing aspect. Um, I swear to God, if that tree has something to do with Aerobills because they're both 300 years, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, but yeah, and so I always forget going back that he – that he had, and, like, again, like, season two touches on it, too, for a couple of episodes – but, like, overall, his crush on Claudia is not really a thing, like Soren says. So, I do think it's nice, though. Like, this one was really, I think Dragon Prince does a really great job at creating, like, subversive sort of romances. Of, like, Soren doesn't have an issue with somebody likes his sister. If anything, he's, like, he does know that Callum's a good kid, so he's gonna help him out. Or, like, Callum likes girls who are taller than him and really talented. And he's very kind of, like, open about that sort of admiration. Oh, God. That's not going to age well for Claudia later with Soren. Oh, Apelli. I always forget. Again, I always forget that Apelli's the one who comes and gets him. And, like, we see her around, but we don't really get to, like, know her until, like, episode four. So it's just nice to see all the different characters who just come back. I miss Harrow 
so much. Oh, I'm so sad. Winter's coming. Eventually. I never watched Game of Thrones, and I have no desire to read the books. I'm not a grimdark fantasy person. I am a hope punk um, fan. But wholesome, you know? Hero's so enthusiastic and supportive. I love him. Even Bates not impressed. This is low-key one of the saddest moments to me that Callum calls him sir here. Because I'm like, this has been your primary parent for nine years. And it's like, Harrow, I know you're trying to give him space. And I know you probably blame yourself for Sarai. And that's complicated. But like, and even Callum here being like trying, he's already trying to protect Ezra. And they just do such a good job at showing the brothers as like close. And them sharing a room is so sweet. And like, yeah. The second we were like, they're Viren's kids. Oh, no. I did appreciate even just calling them minstrels, though, because that is like a medieval thing, which made me happy. Secret camp, secret tunnel. There also might be stretches where I don't talk as much because I am a little bit sleepy, and there are some things I just don't have as much to say. But again, like even now, it's like you have Viren being aware of what Moonshadow moths do, and that are like the Archangel Lunaris, which is such a good name. Oh my god! Um, but like, there's this obviously aspect, and then you have this coming back in the season three finale. Like everything really connects, and it just always impresses me. And like, I also think it's really interesting. Because in some ways, like, in some ways, like, there's kind of, like, there's three characters in the Dragon Prince whose perspectives, like, radically change over the course of the show. And I would say that that's probably Rayla, Callum, and Storm, where their perspectives, like, drastically differ from who they are in episode one to who they are at episode 27. And I feel like Mirren, Claudia, and Ezrin are the ones who don't arguably change as much their mindsets are tested and they either go and they go further that road so like Viren and claudia get worse and Ezrin gets better over time i also loved the distinction of ceremony armor as a thing because it absolutely was and the fact that it's actually not good for defense and just Oh, God, I just realized through the moon parallels this has, too. I'm so sad of, like, oh, no. Well, now I'm just, like, spoilers for through the moon, so skip this part if you haven't. Soren, shut up. That's so mean. That's so unfair. We'll have a little rant about that later. But, like, Callum wanting to protect his loved ones is such a core part of his arc, and we see that here, and then we see that with Ezrin going after him and whatever and then obviously going after Rayla in in the show and so I feel like that would be such an interesting thing to see full circle of Callum not being allowed on this mission and him not pushing it and then later after Rayla goes of going after her because now he knows that he can so I feel like that would be a great sign of growth I also really love the Moonshadow binding ritual. I just think it's such an interesting cult, like peek into their cultural values and sort of philosophy. 
And it's one of those things where it's like you don't really understand why it's being taken quite so seriously. But again, on rewatches, you totally understand. And even just the the poetry of Rilla saying my heart for Zadia. Because obviously, like, that's her being like, your heart isn't hard enough, right? Like, it really sets up her her sort of symbolic theme, which is so nice. And then, of course, she does end up falling in love with Callum. So that's super interesting. I miss Rilla's little braid every day. I so hope she gets another little braid eventually because it was such a good look. Um, but I think that's one of the things that makes Dragon Prince such a rewarding show to rewatch, even in some ways more rewarding than the initial watch through. Like the initial watch through is fantastic and it works so well and you're just hyped for everything. And even when the show gets serious, it never stops being like fun. And then Rayla showing her hot, her, her haunt. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to do the accent. Her hand, too much. It sets her up. Oh, God. The idea of Sakura. That's another really interesting thing, actually. I'm just trying to be like, what metas do I want to write? I know I have one in the back of my brain about Dragon Prince and Imprisonment. I also think the show, the theme of sacrifice, could be super interesting because it is such a prevalent theme. Trust, you know. Aww. The hide and seek is coming back. That's cute. And Calm losing his temper with Ezra is so upsetting, but again, so understandable. And it's one of those where it's really nice in this episode in some ways that you get to see a lot of shades of Calm. You get to see both his good sides and some of his negative sides. And so his temper was always something I found really appealing about his character. But I'm also glad that he's always held accountable for losing his temper emotionally yes bait we love the solidarity now i forget what i was talking about earlier oh god did i finish a point about something was i talking about ezrin yeah the show just has a lot of interesting concepts so (laughs) oh my god i'm just picturing these grown-ass adults having like an 18 year old as their boss and being like we don't get paid enough for this even if he didn't tell bad jokes all the time and i think this is such an interesting thing of soren and rayla kind of being the characters who reveal each other's lies and catch each other in the act i guess in terms of like like soren pursuing the elves here is what reveals rayla's treachery and then Rayla knows Soren's line in early season two. So to see them then come together for a common goal in season three is really fun. And I do think they're really strong. Like, I think Cal and Rayla are each other's primary foils. But they're almost so close in that way that you can miss a lot of it. Meanwhile, Soren and Rayla parallel each other more in, like, narrative ways. But are less similar in, like, a lot of other facets. Like, they're both physically strong, and obviously, like, Soren's told to kill the princes when he should be protecting them, and Rayla's protecting the princes when she was told to kill them, and that both culminates in them killing Viren. But other than that, they don't actually parallel each other that much. I would argue that Claudia and Rayla do a lot more, and particularly Callum and Rayla have a lot more parallels. Um... And it's that really interesting sort of thing. Like the closest comparison I could make is like Avatar where it's like you have Zuko and Katara being like kind of obvious sort of foils for each other. But the real actual foils that they have is like 
Sokka and Zuko and Zuko and Aang, and then Azula and Katara are each other's primary foils, and they're super interesting as characters, and that's why I've always seen Katara as Zuko's surrogate sister. I could go on for days about that, though. This is such a cutting betrayal. This is such a perfect end of the episode, because it perfectly captures, like, how brutal it is, and we're on... Rayla's side but I love Runan's like quick rebuttal of like yeah he's afraid obviously because that's our instinct right it's be like oh but they were scared and it's like of course they were scared you were gonna kill them and so I like that there's that immediate consequence and that it's framed and again like we're not rooting for the elves but we're still like man this sucks for them and I feel like Rayla's like betrayal does such a good job at making Runan sympathetic. Aw, the baker and bait. That's sweet. You know, have a soft side. Oh my god, Athari! I always forget he's at the end of this episode in the end credits making the pendants and the boys having their portrait done in ceremonial armors. That's so cute. The mirror. Yeah, makes sense. So many animators. All doing great work. And then, like, oh, it's nice that we get to see a little bit of a goofier side to Rayla in the end credit arts swarm with the moon moth because we don't really get to see her goofier side i want to say until like episode three episode four um i'm gonna pause it there but yeah i think i think the first episode that seems shorter somehow okay so yeah season one's a little bit shorter i guess in terms of episode length it's only like 22 minutes I feel like the rest tend to be closer to like 25, 26, um, which is a really nice thing about Netflix, I guess, that you have the flexibility for that. But I think that I also just have Avatar on the brain because I'm rewatching the show with the same friends. They had never seen Dragon Prince or Avatar. And so I was like, let's start Dragon Prince just because that's like short, whatever. And then they were the ones who were like, you love Avatar. Can we watch it? And I was like, Yes, I'm gladly be watching Avatar with you. So we're starting from the beginning of book one of that. So that'll be fun. And I'm hoping to have maybe one of the friends or both of them if they would be interested on the podcast at one point. So that would be fun. Um, I don't know why I said that so sarcastically. That would genuinely be really fun. And they're both massive Raylan shippers. Um, it was really fun to watch their like favorite characters evolve. Like one of my friends, her favorite was Soren at first because he's attractive and then he wasn't the nicest. So then she kind of switched and she Callum ended up being her favorite. And then my other friend started off like really, really liking Callum and then slowly kind of shifted to Rayla being the favorite, which I think is really like I loved Rayla from like the the very beginning. But I feel like a lot of people who love her, who grow to really love her are kind of swayed by like the third episode just because it's such a good episode for her and her character and like her positive aspects as well as just her being cool. Like she's an elf that's cool. Um, and so that was really interesting and it was super fun to go through the series with people like one of my friends knew a little bit because like I told her that like I'm like Raylam's Callum or not Callum. Raylum is canon and my other friend didn't know anything so I was like keeping it tight-lipped in terms of like oh yeah I don't know if they end up together like Calum does seem to like Claudia so um but it was so funny and it's always super it's not quite like validating because the emotion isn't that strong like even if nobody else saw it I would still be here like I love Raylum but it is always interesting to me that most people I've introduced the show to or like you know 
um, a lot of people tend to get those vibes right away from those two. And I feel like some of it might be because it's like, oh, well, this is the main boy and the main girl. But I also feel like the first, and I'm sure I'll talk more about this when I do episode three, but like it does such a good job at showing how complimentary they are, even while they were still getting to know both of them as individuals and their dynamic is just starting to be developed. Um, but yeah, so that's one on one. And then it's on to 103. Um, and so the list we're going to go in order. Obviously, I have some episodes that I've done. Um, so I'm just going to read out the ones that I'm going to do so you guys can see like where the sort of jumps are and like that sort of thing. Um, so we're, we just did 101, then we're going to do 103, 104. I've done 105, so we're doing 106, 7, 8, 9. So again, most of season one I haven't done, which makes sense. Um, and then we have 201, so episode two premiere, or not episode, season two premiere. <laughs> I, t- I said I was tired. Um, 202, 203, which are two of my favorite episodes in the whole series. I love them. So that's very exciting for me. Um, 205, 208, 209. Oh, I get to do those episodes. They're so good. I could have sworn I did Book of Destiny, but maybe I didn't. I'm, f- I'm fucking excited now. Um, and then three, and then of season three, there's only three episodes that I haven't done: three hundred one, three hundred six, three hundred seven, which again are some of my favorites and will be super emotional and fun. Um, so yeah, thank you for joining me. I'm hoping to get into hosting a podcast episode every one to two weeks, so there shouldn't be long waits. But let's fingers crossed, see how that goes. Um, and yeah, I hope you have a good week. Dragons out.